Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of our Daily Bible Podcast. What's up, Bible readers? Uh, full transparency, this is take two. Don't tell them that. Well, it's the first time we've ever had take two. They, okay, it, now they're going to think less of us. It was my fault. Thanks, Pastor PJ. I didn't like where I was going with it. And I, I don't love this one, but we're going to roll with it. Um, hey, it's, it's Tuesday, June 6, 2023, and we're back with another uh, episode of the Daily Bible Podcast to dive into the Daily Bible reading. We've That's got 2 right. Chronicles 20 through 22. Uh, today and then part of John 16. So Second Chronicles 20 through 22 and part of John 16. Let's do this. Yes. Second Chronicles, just to catch us up where we've been. We've got the divided kingdom. You've got Rehoboam. You've got Abijah. You've got Asa. And you've got Jehoshaphat. Then today we're going to get into Jehoram and Ahaziah. So real quick, if you could make this into a song, it would be really easy for me to remember this, but you're saying it and you're assuming that we're all tracking if you could sing it, Pastor PJ, that would really help. I'm thinking of an acronym. Yeah, you're the music guy. You, you, you <laughs> sing it. Um, Second Chronicles 20. I mentioned in yesterday's podcast that Jehoshaphat finishes strong. And you may have been reading going, he's not done yet. He's still got chapter 20. And you're right. He's coming back. Yeah. So he's he's back and he still finishes relatively strong. Mm. Um, although. One asterisk. Yeah. Th- there's consequences. Again, for Jehoshaphat going to the aid of Ahab. God did not like that. We talked about that last time. And God was, uh, was not happy with that. And there had been relative peace for Jehoshaphat and Judah. And now there was going to be not so much relative peace for Jehoshaphat and Judah until Jehoshaphat responded rightly to God's discipline. And uh, God then ultimately finishes out by restoring the peace to the nation there. Uh, Chapter 21, you've got Jehoram. Uh, Jehoram is not a good dude. Not at all. There's not much good to say about Jehoram. And we'll get into the details of that. But he just be thankful that Jehoram was not your brother. Um, Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Second uh, Chronicles 22, then Ahaziah, who doesn't do a whole lot better than Jehoram. And then we mentioned Athaliah last time. Athaliah is there. She's uh, not an improvement on any of them. No, she's not. So that's the Old Testament reading. New Testament reading, John 16, as we'll get into. Uh, Jesus talks about more of his going away and uh, how he is is preparing the disciples so that they won't fall away. And even makes an amazing statement in John 16, 7, is to your advantage that I go away. Interesting. We'll unpack that as we get into the New Testament reading. That is an interesting pa- passage right there. Yeah. Yeah. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the end of Jehoshaphat's reign there. He uh, it, it had been a, a king of peace most mostly to this point. Um, and then all of a sudden, as a result of his uh, alliance with Ahab and going to help Ahab, uh, all of a sudden here comes some uh, some conflict again. And, uh, and Jehoshaphat, though, thankfully, responds well and humbles himself. Um, it says in verse 2, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazor Tamar. Uh, that is in Gedi, and says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to, here's our, our concept there, seek the Lord. Yep. And so he seeks the Lord, he humbles himself, 
Um, and I, I love the prayer in the, the line that he gives in verse 12. Uh, it's interesting. Today is, is D-Day, and, uh, and Roosevelt uh, prayed before uh, D-Day, and, and in his prayer said that many people were encouraging him to make this a national day of prayer. And, and Roosevelt said, we need to be praying every single day and dependent upon the Lord every single day for what's going on and what we're about to undertake. And, and that's a little bit of the mindset here that we find in verse 12 from Jehoshaphat when he prays, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? And then he says this, We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I love that. Yeah, just that that resolute trust in God. We don't know what to do. And you may find yourself in a situation, I don't think you've got a bunch of people amassed in Engedi ready to attack you. Let us know if that is the case. Yeah, we'll, we'll help. Or God will. Um <laughs> But whatever you're up against, you're sometimes. up against a trial, you're up against a difficulty in your life. I, I mean, that's such a good posture to say, God, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but my eyes are on you. Um, I'm, I'm fixed on you. I trust you. I'm going to seek you in the midst of the valley. And I'm going to know that, as King David knew in Psalm 23, that you are leading me even in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to fear no evil because I, my hope and my confidence is in you. And I think that's what we see here. Yeah. And, and dads, dads, leaders of your families, I mean, look at what happens when Jehoshaphat responds this way. He responds and says, hey, I'm going to set my face to seek the Lord. And notice in verse 4, Judah assembles to seek help from the Lord with him. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And then what an interesting concept that is. The leader influences the followers. Mm. As the, the, the head goes, so goes the body. Dads, it is so important that you set the tone for your family, just like Jehoshaphat sets a tone for the nation. Are you seeking the Lord? Are you showing your kids what it looks like to depend upon him, to trust him? And even to be as candid and as honest as Jehoshaphat is, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a, oh, I love that because mm. it's honest and resolute. It's humble and it's hopeful. Man, what a cool phrase that is. You would do well to remember that and lead from his example. For sure. For sure. And he continues to lead verses 20 and in, in down through 22. I, I love this, that... He gets up and he gathers all the forces and then he commands them to, to worship God, to sing. And they go to battle singing and praising God. Crazy. Like, how cool is that? He puts the musicians out in front. Did you notice that? Yeah. I, I, if I were a musician, as, as a musician or someone who aspires to be one one day, I would take issue with that, Pastor PJ. Right. I would. Can you put me in the back? This isn't a weapon. This is a guitar. Bulletproof guitars. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Man, no thank you. I want to be in the back. But he puts them forward and they're singing and they're singing, give thanks to the Lord as they're going into battle for his steadfast love endures forever. Man, that's their, their battle cry. They're confident in him. What an amazing place to be going into battle so confident in the Lord that you're worshiping him uh, in the, the midst of the opposition. Um, they succeed. Things go well for them. Mm. And uh, again, as I mentioned, God brings peace again towards the end of his reign. Um, and, uh, and it says in verse 30, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God had given him rest all around. Mm. And so again, we see the Chronicle laying this out in a way for us to understand and to know that the key is seeking God. When we seek God, he's favorable to us. When we don't seek God, there's consequences to that. And that's something that kind of marked and bookended Jehoshaphat's reign. Yeah, sometimes we, we can often, we learn lessons from God and we think, you know, I got it, God, thank you. I'm passing go. I'm taking the next lap around. I'm reaching the next level. But you find in Jehoshaphat's life, even though he learned some, some lessons that God taught him, he still needed some reinforcement. At the end of his life, you'll notice in the final few verses, God sends Jehoshaphat a, a prophet, Eliezer, the son of Dodavahu of... Anyway, Eliezer, <laughs> Eliezer says, because you have joined with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. So Jeho Jehoshaphat was trying to 
to set up a deal here with the northern king of Israel. And God says, no, Jehoshaphat, you're not doing that. He straight up disciplines him by destroying the, the trade that he was hoping to engage in. And, and Christian, often God does this for us. If he loves you, he will discipline you. This is exactly what scripture says. And so even though this is hard, I take it as an encouragement that God really cared for Jehoshaphat. He stopped him from sinning more. Yeah, the writer of Hebrews says that, right? That, uh, that the Lord disciplines the one he loves. As a father, the son, in whom he delights. Mm. Amen. Mm. Well, chapter 21, Jehoshaphat, it says right off the bat there, slept with his fathers. He died and was buried with them in the city of David. And then Jehoram comes to reign. Mm. Uh, this is right around. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ominous music plays in the background. Uh, this is right around 850 BC in that general time frame. Um, and Jehoram is just not a good dude. Uh, right off the bat, he, he just decides, I'm going to kill all my brothers. <sighs> yeah. And, uh, and then it, he begins to, to walk in the ways of the kings of Israel. Not a good thing to do. In fact, if, if you read through First and Second Kings earlier this year, you fall into that rhythm because it, it goes back and forth between the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. Here we're focused only on the kings of Judah. But in Kings, you'll read, such and such took the throne and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord mm-hmm. when, in Judah with most of them or, or a good hand, number of them. In Israel, you don't get a single one that says he did what was right. Every Not single one. Every single one. Complete did what failure. Was right. And so when it says that he was following in the footsteps of the, the kings of Israel, that's, that's not a good thing. And then he goes off and he marries the daughter of Ahab. Well, hold on a second. Remember, Pastor PJ, and, and let's, let's remind our audience here. The reason why he marries a daughter of Ahab is because his dad set up this alliance. It's true. He's the one who arranged for this. He's setting up with Ahab. Hey, let's have my people marry your people. And so he gives his firstborn son, Jehoram, to the daughter of Ahab, Athaliah. Yeah. And, and Athaliah is not going to be good either. We'll, we'll come back to her later too. Second um, Chronicles 21 verse 7 though, again, just bearing in mind that the post-exilic audience, it says, yet the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he'd made with David. So even though here we find a king who is wicked like the kings of the north, mm. uh, the difference between the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom was this Davidic covenant that God had established and the Davidic dynasty was passing through Judah. So even though you've got a guy like Jehoram who's a, a wicked and evil king, God is still not snuffing out the flame there because of his faithfulness to David. Incredible. And that post-exilic exilic audience listening to this, they needed to hear that and be reminded that there was going to be another descendant of David to still come because God was not done with them. That's right. And they need to be looking forward to that king, even even preserving them through all of this uh, in the midst of, of, of this. Well, God does not look favorably, though, upon Jehoram in the midst of this. In fact, Edom and Libna begin to revolt, uh, and so things are, are, are shrinking for the kingdom of Judah. His power, his control is, is lessening, and it says there in 21 verse 10, because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of his fathers. Uh, that's, mm. that's not a, a good thing. Remember the theme in, in Chronicles, if you seek God, good happens. If you forsake God, bad happens. Here we've got Jehoram who forsook the Lord. Forsook? Forsaked. Forsooken name. Forsooked it did. Uh, <laughs> the Lord and, and God judges him. And uh, the, the end of, of his life has got to be one of the worst endings ever. Rightly so, though. Yeah. Like, totally right. N- notice here in, in verse 17, he has no son left except Jehoahaz. Mm. He is, he, everything that he knows and loves was ripped away from him. And not only that, but no one liked the guy. He, he, is, he is a scourge on the society of Israel, or uh, Judah, rather. And so in, verse, uh, in the final verses, verse 19, his people make no fire in his honor. 
Uh, verse 20, he departed with no one's regret. He is, I mean, he, I think people are applauding when he leaves. Yeah, and, and God does not deal well with him. Verse 18, like there's a lot of ways that God could have taken him off the face of the planet. <laughs> this one's tough, man. There's a lot of ways. Verse 18, he struck him in his bowels with an incurable <laughs> disease. And at one point his bowels come out. That's like, rough. What? That's a bad day. Yes, that's a that's an awful day. That is an awful day. But that's what happens to him because of his rejection of God, because he forsook the Lord. His son, Ahaziah, Jehoahaz, mm-hmm. two names there, known yep. by two names, same same individual. He takes the throne in chapter 22. And in chapter 22, he uh, takes the throne, but he's not going to have the throne for very long. In fact, nope. only for about a year does he reign there. It says in verse 2, he was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was... Athaliah. Dun, 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 dun. Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. Daughter of Ahab, of course. Daughter of Ahab. It says in verse 3 of of Ahaziah, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor in doing wickedly. She was good at doing evil, a.k.a. She was good at doing evil. Well, Kings explains more of what happens here, but he's caught up in a coup in the north and ends up dying, being executed by Jehu um, and his forces up there during this coup. Uh, And then Athaliah ends up sitting on the throne for a a time, at least, uh, after destroying all but one, and we'll get to that one in tomorrow's reading, of the royal family. And uh, that one is is preserved, but Athaliah tries to snuff everybody out so she can have the throne, and and praise God, that is not... um, what what ultimately took place and what ultimately happened there uh, but but Athaliah's influence over her son uh, you know we talk a lot to dads listening to this mm-hmm. but i also find it interesting in in kings and in chronicles how often the mom is mentioned yeah and the the influence that the mom can have over the child and here you see it negatively but i think you know it, we have a lot of moms that probably spend more time with their children than their dads do um, that's probably the case in the majority of our homes not all, but the majority. And moms, I just want to encourage you that that if you are seeking after the Lord, you can have a huge impact on the life of your kids. Mm. Um, that you can model what's good for them, not like Athaliah, who was the counselor towards wicked, but you can be a counselor towards godliness. And you think of the commendation in in, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy for, for Timothy's mom and grandmother and the influence that they had in his life as well. Uh, let's Let's redeem the the motherhood picture here and and not let athaliah be you know the 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 flag of of what motherhood looks like in the old testament we've there's some some moms who had a good impact on their kids absolutely uh proverbs has a lot of good things to say about moms proverbs 31 says her children praise her her husband also they rise up they call her blessed that kind of woman is to a woman to be praised Mm. so husbands fathers um let your let your wife know if she's doing good uh, encourage her, praise her, man. We need more women like that. Thank God that your wife is not Athaliah. If you've not said anything else to the Lord today, let it be that prayer. Yeah, and don't ever like call your wife Athaliah. Please don't do that. Yeah, that's not. A we good would thing. counsel against that. Yeah, yeah, you would end up in our office if if maybe you did that. Yeah, not for good reasons. Right. All right, John chapter sixteen. Then, as we jump into the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, again, upper room discourse, preparing his disciples for what's coming in the cross. He's just said some hard things in John 15. Hey, the world's going to hate you. Um, And he's warning them, but he's warning them in chapter 16, verse 1. He says, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Uh, to, to get them ready to know that this is not a life of ease to follow after Jesus, that this is not about health, wealth, and prosperity to follow after Jesus, that mm. this is not about things being comfortable to follow after Jesus, but that this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. But hey, if it is, 
it's a sign that things are going the right way for you in God's economy, at least. Um, 16.5, he makes this comment. He says, I'm, I'm getting ready to go back to the Father. And he says, and yet none of you ask me where I'm going. Well, what? Well, if you go back to John 13.36, Peter asked that exact question. He said, where are you going? Um, and, and then even John 14.5, Thomas implies the question when he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Hmm. But what I think Jesus is focused on here is they were concerned about Jesus leaving them not where Jesus was going back to. Right. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to the Father. In fact, he, he front loads this by saying, I'm going to the Father and none of you are asking me about that. Like that's the goal in mm-hmm. Jesus' mind. Like that's the, that's the pinnacle. That's what they should be desiring is to go and be with the Father because that's where Jesus is going to be. And Jesus is looking forward to being restored to that place with the Father as well. And he's saying, and none of you want to know what that's going to be like. None of you are asking me about that. It's a, a good challenge and reminder to us to as well to think about, okay, what am I really desiring? Am I desiring to be in the presence of Jesus? Am I desiring to be in the presence of God? Or do I just want the benefits of Jesus? Do I want the benefits of being in his presence? Right. And one of the cool things is that Jesus says, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you childless or homeless. I'm not going to leave you without help and without hope. And this is why it's so critical to understand the way that God works. Whenever he pulls back or he does something that you find unexpected, It's not because he's seeking to hurt you. No, in this case, you see in verse 7, he says, look, Mm. I'm telling you the truth here. It is a good thing that I go away. It is a benefit to you. And of course, they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You have been our leader. How is this going to be good for you? I could just see them like with their hands in the air, palms up, like, what are you saying, Jesus? But this is the important thing for us to understand. When Jesus leaves, it means he sends the Spirit, the Helper. And of course, one way that someone talked about this is, Uh, the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Mm. It's better to have the spirit of God at work within you than to have Jesus, your older brother in the faith, literally right next to you. Uh, that's hard to understand, but it's it's better because he's in us, with us, dwelling with us in a, in a spiritual way that changes everything about who we are. 100%. In verse 13, Jesus unpacks the ministry of the spirit. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Uh, that's been a of, of question. What does that mean? Uh, is this prophetic? Is this talking about the end times? It doesn't really fit the context of what Jesus is addressing here. So it mm. seems to be more of when he says he's going to declare to you the things that are to come, he's going to unpack the, the full implications of the crucifixion and the resurrection, specifically for the disciples. And a lot of them went on, as we know, to to pen most of our our new testament save the the pauline letters or have an impact in the planting of churches and the the leading you think about the book of acts and everything the spirit is the one empowering them to be able to do all those things that's right and then in verse 14 the the ultimate thing is it says he will glorify me and that's important for us in in our culture there's a lot of churches around us that want to give an undue level of attention to the spirit want to exalt the spirit and focus on the spirit fire tunnels and even some of the charismatic movements of the speaking in tongues and the exalting the spiritual gifts to a, a, an extent that they were never really intended to be exalted to. Right. And that's perverting the, the Trinitarian plan for the spirit sent by the father and the son to exalt the son who then redounds all the glory to the father as we read about in first Corinthians 15. Right. And it's not that the spirit's shy. It's not like he's, he's afraid to be seen. Right. It's that his job, his purpose, his function is to bring attention to Jesus. So that's one of the reasons why 
some of our, sometimes our churches can get criticism. Like, well, you guys don't, you don't, you put the spirit in a box. You don't want to have the spirit do things among mm. your people. Well, that's not the intention at all. We're trying to cooperate with his express purpose for ministry, to bring glory to Christ, to draw attention to him. And that's what the object, objective of, of, of our church is. Right, right. 14, 15, 16 of, of John's gospel, though, so much attention given to the spirit. And so that's something that I think we should be just thankful for and thankful for today is, is just that Jesus did not leave us as orphans. As he said, that he gave us the spirit, he gave us the helper um, to be able to follow him. And, uh, and we should be so grateful for that. So thankful for that. Even as we think about the DBR process in, in reading the word of God, the reason why we glean what we glean from the word of God is because the spirit living within us, Amen. Um, the, the spiritual things are discerned by those who are spiritual, those that have the spirit dwelling within them. So what an encouraging thing for us. Uh, speaking of encouraging, we, we, we pray and hope that this has been an encouraging episode for you guys. And we will catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Bye everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.